Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we're making this episode a drinking game. Yeah. We're making this an especially fun drinking game today. So anytime we say anything negative at all, I mean, anytime we are negative about anything, you're going to hear this sound. And that sound means that we have to take a drink to keep us positive and keep us on track. And we hope you have to drink along, ready for the challenge. So grab yourself a picnic basket, down your shot. Don't get the soda oh, yeah. upgrade because we're taking a trick to Babylon. <laughs> Pre-show Jesus shot. Let's Christ. go. Yeah. I ran out of whiskey. It's a special a version giant tonight. Elephant anus. Oh my right god. Yes, yes, it is. Minutes into this what? minutes Minute. into the movie. <laughs> and what a way to open. Movie. It kind of lets you know what you're in for though. Like, um, to be honest. So this is a special version. We are we are doing <laughs> Oh no. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I didn't even explain All the three rules. Of us again. Shit. Okay, so we're we're playing. Was it really that bad? It's been a while, uh, and yes. I feel like that it, it, it this one kind of warranted this because it came out and everybody bagged the shit out of it. No one so went and saw it. It didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try and redeem it, but we're playing in roulette mode, which means anytime anyone hits the buzzer, it's not necessarily that person's buzzer that goes off. It could be John's, Jeff's, mine, or anyone's, all of us at once. So whoever said the wrong thing might not necessarily get punished tonight. That's right. We've done the debate before, but maybe a movie not so new, you know, where, where one person has to say something positive and the next person has to say something negative. But we're not there yet because I don't even know what you guys think of the movie. You could have loved it. I, I've definitely listened to podcasts for people who have loved this movie. I, I don't know what's wrong with them, but I know that that exists out there. And we are a positive. Oh, it was me. It was me. <laughs> I was lucky. The fates are with us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, this is Damien Chazelle. His first movie, Whiplash, was so good. His second movie, La La Land, seems to have people forget that when you saw it in theaters, it was so good. First Man. You know? I and like now. First man. <laughs> I like First Man. Oh, come on. There was good stuff in First Man. Yeah, I'm a little confused, really Damo. Like, aren't you supposed to release the director's cut after the cinema release? Uh, that's Dave. what, Dave? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, see, this is the problem now. Oh, oh, no. No. <laughs> okay, so no, we want to keep it positive. We genuinely, I genuinely want to hear you like this movie. I genuinely want that. And there is a lot in this movie that's so great that reminds you of old cinema and all those things. I will say anybody who says to me, it reminds me why I love the movies. I want to punch them so fucking hard in the face. I just, I do. <laughs> Every, I can't it. help it. Um, it's Dave's version of when somebody gives him a note and says, Dave, I want you to edit this film, but I want you to make it look cinematic. That's what it is. It's it's that version for me. So I'm ready to talk about Damien Chazelle's Babylon with you guys. Great, great cast, terrible trailer, terrible them. timing. It decided to come out at Christmas, a three-hour, eight-minute movie that opens with the elephant shitting on someone. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> hey, family, let's go. <laughs> Can you imagine I saw that with my family? Just just bring the one-year-old niece in and her um in her in her um, walker oh, yeah. and in her carriage, and then just opening scene is elephant poop. I um, I'm excited to talk about this movie. We always uh, start spoiler-free for those of you who are new to listening to our podcast. So about 10 minutes or so, we're going to keep it spoiler-free. The elephant shit happens so early, that doesn't count, of course. Um, and then at the end of the episode, we're going to give you our recommendations of what we've been watching in our segment, What You've Been Watching. But you got to stick with us here because we have to get through our gripes of the week where we say some shit 
So just, you know, scoot along two minutes if you want to get to our episode on Babylon <laughs> right away. And you can't wait any longer. But first, we got to shout our sponsors out. So, John, let's do it. Carlos Barozo is our beer sponsor. You can find him in the show notes. That link is cbarozo.beer on Instagram, C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O.beer. And all the music you hear on this episode and every single episode is provided by the artist Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find him on all the uh, regular music platforms. Follow, listen, love, like that music. And please come at us. We are on all the uh, typical social medias. You have our link tree and our show notes. Follow us, message us. Please, please rate and review us Say anything negative or positive. We'll take it. Uh, and Dave might get back to you if you're lucky. Yeah, we, we don't you delete to... negative reviews at all. We like we leave them there for everyone Somebody to see. Because we said but... we were going to call out somebody. Did you find? Did you get her name? Is Erica? Erica, uh, thank you so much for responding to us in our Triangle of Sadness episode. We really appreciate it. We knew it was a niche movie that so. not a lot of people had seen, uh, but it meant a lot to us that you reached out to us. So thank you so Especially much. Especially since she loved the film. Especially yeah, since you love the film, one. which is great. <laughs> this is what we want. People, we want you to like the movie and be like, oh, who can we turn to? The New York Times? No. No. Shit. Fuck those guys. I sell shit. <laughs> <It's so good>. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us. Um, so thanks again, Erica. We really appreciate it. All right. Um, Something in my eye. Anything? <laughs> It's an audio, audio podcast here. You got to, you know, put your game face on. So, Dave, anything you want to say before we get to our gripes of the week? No. Was that someone's printer? Did someone just get a fax? What? My dryer's done. <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah. Close already. I thought you were Edward Norton. Oh, it's me. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought you were um, Edward Norton in Glass Onion for a second. Oh, yeah. The more I think about the movie, the less I Let's, like. But at the same I, time, I, when I, I saw it in the theaters, Glass it was Onion? great. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking when about it. When I saw it in the theaters, it was great. Too. I saw it at home with my family. It was good. The more I think about it, why are these people hanging out with each other? <laughs> I actually I actually, um, I actually, will say one thing. Um, like this morning, I went to an early screening this morning at like 11 a.m., I think it was, uh, to see nice. this movie. And Babylon? Yeah, Babylon. $13 million at the box office, $100 million budget before marketing. Go well, ahead. Now they have my $13 million and twenty dollars they um, have your 13 million dollars dave <laughs> i just watched the might off documentary on netflix which is bad reenactments and that is a bad investment man you can't we spend 13 million dollars on watching this movie mm. oh sorry john oh, john <laughs> right. damn roulette wheel uh, dave. no I, t- I turned up um and uh again escalators weren't working at the Times square AS- um amc and uh Two of them this time because, and I have, a, I suspect it was because the church group was in. There was a church group in. I so won't name which escalators church. Escalators off. Like they, yeah. Well, they, you know, you got to work for it. They don't have pew chairs, yeah, so yeah. you got to, you got to punish them in some way. <laughs> I don't so, know about you, John, but this, his word just <laughs> cut out. He just said they don't have pew. And it's, I thought a pubes came to my head here because it just cut off on my Zoom thing. So I'm, I hope your audio is clean. But in case I mean, our yeah, audience no, my audio was clean. Hear, it was definitely you're saying the church boys, doesn't have. Um, do not have pubes. You're, yeah. you're oh right. my god. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Give us the hate mail, people. We need the I social media. I got punished hate, for John's shit. Review us. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, there's this, there's a church group that rents out the theater. Obviously, they rent out a theater. They use it as a church every Sunday, which is fine. But now in the new year, and AMC new like <laughs> wait, Times yeah, Square, Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You said that very casually. Said, no, people rent out movie theaters in in the boroughs, like in in Minnesota. They no. rent out movie theaters to do their church, not in Times Square. Aladdin has a, a show next door. These guys have been there for a while. But Harry uh, Potter's yeah. across the street. Madame Tussauds. There's a porn yeah. theater just downstairs. But Eighth um, Avenue they, still sells porn, and there's a strip club on Eighth Avenue right there. And you're telling me this church is at fucking Times Square? Better place. I mean, I dude, in, I was in New Orleans, and I once saw Christians pull up out in front of the Hustler Club, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, you you are really just, biting off more than right you can in front there. of the right in front of the red carpet. <laughs> but, I thought uh, Michael Eisner and Rudy Giuliani got rid of all of this stuff. No, I no, can't no, believe they, it's, they, they're renting this, but now they've got these people standing at the. Uh, had the escalators with a barcode, uh, like a QR code, greeting you with a sign From saying, we're, church? Ha- we're happy you're here. I, if yeah, I go to church, church there's a QR now. code to scan. And it's like, this is not what Jesus intended. We just got <laughs> yeah. to admit it. I'll just get to scan in. Scan the QR, get your penance and go. But uh, no, the, they're there and they were saying hi to me. Hi, you're here for the church? No. Second escalator, hi, you're here for the church? No. By the time I got the third escalator, I was a bit done with it. So they're like, are you here for the church? I'm like, no, I'm here to see Babylon. And in my mind, I was like, I can't let this go. I can't not say that. And the conversation just stopped right there. He's like, oh, yeah, turned away from me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm here to watch like the most deviant thing you can possibly imagine in the like a, yeah. on the top floor of the AMC Times Square, which is like, you know, that's the shame floor. Where you go Good for you. Yeah. yeah. I hope you know, they could hear it through the walls. <laughs> I'm here to see Babylon and everybody went, ooh, there's a shudder throughout the theater. Yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> half the church group snuck in after me. But... Even even people in the movie theater went, what? Yes. Because <laughs> how many people were in your theater a day? But how many people were in your theater when you saw this? Three. And yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure those two are up, back, up the back are like just masturbating. They were sitting really close together too, yeah, which was kind of weird. I want people, they got to get their hands up. You know what I mean? <laughs> All of us. Hand <laughs> check. <laughs> i'm here to see babylon babylon's in the bible from what i hear okay yeah. so um we did our sponsors okay that's dave's that's your gripe all right i don't know we didn't set our gripe timer for you but that's got to be your gripe right <laughs> it's fair enough I'll john you got a gripe for the, us today uh, i guess it's not a gripe but i do just want to call something out let's hit it dave kevin mccarthy <laughs> oh great <laughs> Oh my God, dude! What the fuck happened in the United States? <laughs> he knows House what happened. He did this to himself, and he knows it. Never-ending story. Oh my God, he's dude. dumb, but he's not an idiot. He knows it's his fault. <laughs> I was so I just I couldn't stop thinking this movie. I went and saw it the next night and the night before, just watching that. Nobody has watched C-SPAN that much in fucking decades, yeah. <laughs> and just just seeing the just seeing what was happening in there. That one guy that was in the zoot suit that had like two inch stripes. I don't know. Just the whole thing just felt like this is. This is in the same world. Like there is some shit going down. That was super embarrassing. Somebody, and somebody also put that close-up conversation he had in the into his ear, in the, like Matt Gates's ear, to the yeah. su- like to the Godfather music, and it was perfect. I love how <laughs> it's like, oh, the do nothing Democrats can't get anything done. Democrats, and this is day one. I love day how it one, immediately is like, ha ha ha. If you, if you I feel see, like it's Joey and Chandler on the fucking horse going into the apartment, just being if, like, ha yeah. If you want something really fun to watch, because C-SPAN's coverage was awesome because they didn't have control over the cameras this, yet because there was no 
house. So the, the C-SPAN guys were fucking running with it. They were getting close-ups of everyone. And on TikTok, uh, the bad lip-reading guys have taken it and fucking run with it. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, if you yes, find it, I have seen find, some of find them. I think that was my brother yeah. who mentioned this. This is, guys, this is how stupid our government. I know we love democracy. By the way, we're not a democracy. We're like sort of a democracy. We're a republic. We're a representative. What else? We're some kind of, there's got to be some kind of caveat. But I love how <laughs> there are, as of right now, there are, well, now there are. But during this, there were no members of the House because nobody yeah. was sworn in. But at the same time, only members can vote for bills or movements, which is essentially what this is. So literally, there are no members but they also are voting. That's like literally like Dude. anytime somebody's like the constitution, you just have to be like, this is so stupid because this, like there are so many things that literally don't make sense. We have people who are not members who are voting. <laughs> and yet the second amendment with 26 words is basically the Bible. Like, like nothing Dude, no, makes sense. No one in, this in your government has done their job for the about six fucking years. No, that's like, not true. That's yeah. not true. <laughs> there are, we just, we've never had a majority of people who all agreed to do the same thing together in our government. Oh, that's my pushback. Okay, can we just move the fuck on? What's there... your gripe? What are you going to complain about? All right, mine's quick. Bullshit. Guys, stop ripping pages out of books in TV shows and movies. Stop it. Well, I hate when I see people <laughs> go in old libraries and old bookstores or whatever, and they go, oh, my God, I could use this. And then they rip the book out. What the fuck? What if somebody needs that book in 200 years the way you needed it, you selfish yeah, bastard? What, what about and now when they reboot sudden, the series? What about when they, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This came right out of Wednesday. <laughs> Harry Potter just took the books back because they had the cloak. But when you rip pages out of the book and put them in your pocket, it's fucking barbaric, people. Come on. These are homes. These are treasures. If we the knew original. what was in the... If we knew what was in the Bible before the 10th century, maybe things would be different by now. But the only earliest Bible right now is from the 900s. We have no proof of anything before the 900s that Jesus, you know what I mean? So it's like 900 years of faith. I mean, in these books, you're ripping pages out. Gone hey, is a legacy. Come on. I, 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 I've told, there are stories I've told in the early episodes. I'm pretty sure everyone can quote them verbatim now. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me okay people we, we have to get into our Ripping episode of pages out of books was the original screenshot that's just how they did it dude there was no if they needed they needed yeah. one phone my favorite is the phone book they didn't have Whenever they need one, one phone number and they take the whole fucking page of the phone book so that next time they need it to make the phone call they have to pull that page figure out which side it was on go through the alphabet all over again oh god that's so funny one phone number. They can't memorize seven digits. This is before area codes, too. And they were like, no, I need the whole fucking thing. Guys, we memorize seven digits for a fucking living whenever we get like the, oh, we have the two-factor authentication. And it's like, oh, and if I'm not on my computer, and if, I don't, if I'm not on my phone, if I'm on my computer, I have to, I'm like, okay, 025321. 025321. 025321. It's not that hard. Anybody wanting to steal Jeff's identity, he just gave you his. <laughs> Social Security. The last five. All right. Let's, uh, let's All of us. On. Let's get into oh, our Babylon exor uh, episode exercise. I don't know if I we like this game. On an elephant's asshole. That's why they're free. In the of the desert. <laughs> we want people to know wait, I thought we were at Babylon. And then an elephant shits it, it on hits, a Mexican. It hits the lens. The shit everywhere. You can't see anything. Yeah. Little shit's all over the lens. Um, okay, so let's get into our film here. So this is Babylon, written and directed Damien Chazelle, et cetera, et cetera. The stars Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Gene Smart, 
sort of Olivia Wilde, but Diego Calva and God, they buried him down in the IMDb things here. Um, I think it's Joven Adepo. I'm sorry if it's Jovan Adepo. My apologies. And then uh, Sydney Palmer, Sydney the Palmer. Player. Correct. Yes. Okay. Let's get into it. A couple good cameos in there as well. The story, I think, according to IMDb, is mm. a tale <laughs> of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. Fellas, who would like to get us started with your initial takeaway? What'd you think? What'd you feel? Sorry, I was really far from my microphone. And remember, this what'd you is think? A, what'd you feel? This is a was it really that bad episode? So we're working from the point of view that the world has decided it's bad. It's it's made about a, a, an eighth yeah. of its budget back. Yeah, I, so, Dave, I what like, do you think, dude? I feel like the world forgot this existed, to be honest. I mean... Bad timing. I mean, yeah, the there, week after I mean, Avatar, right during Christmas. Whoever made the decision to release a three-hour opus on <sighs> 1920s Hollywood, which is such a niche topic, filled with filmmaker inside gags, which were actually laugh out loud funny, to give them the credit, um, yep. during the holiday season, was so heartbreakingly wrong, it makes me sick. There is not a lot wrong here. The cinematography is fantastic. The I'm a, I'm a big fan yeah. of those long oneers, um, and yeah, they used them real. a lot in this. Which I mean, I feel like if they hadn't have done oneers, the movie might have been shorter. But they did it, and they used it to great avail. Uh, the performances so wait, were all so great. So you're saying they do this thing where when you do a oneer, that timing has to be the timing for the whole movie, and so you're sort of stuck with it. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. If they do so many of them, they can't edit. Like if it's oh. a, it's a, if it's a one, you, there's no cut. You can't cut it for time. No, yeah, you yeah get, you're yeah, stuck for like whatever happens in the, the blocking of the scene. Um, right. But yeah, it, like performances were fantastic. I, I don't think I didn't like any. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, Dave. <laughs> you went specifically for Jeff, then especially roulette. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's I just a neatest joke. But you, it's it's a recurring personal inside joke for our button? fans. <laughs> Turn that button off again. <laughs> you went to a different oh, page. Yeah, you went to a different page, Dick. Okay, yeah. Dave. Yeah, I went up to the top. Tell, tell us what you thought. That's what she's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I dug every single performance in this. I didn't think there was anything wrong there, um, and I'm sure there was at least one plot thread that ran the length of the movie. To be honest, at least one. <laughs> you asshole! <laughs> I'm coming for you. Dave, oh, I got you. Oh, that was a real ad buzz too. Good. All right, John. All right. I'm going to go. I saw it last night with a fairly full theater. Not all the way full, but Saturday night, night in Los Angeles. I had Saturday Friday, night, uh, and we are at the movie theater watching Babylon. Yeah. Medium full in a medium-sized theater. Not one of the largest ones, but good crowd. Um, only had two walkouts. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to say about this movie what I don't think is being said enough about this movie. Dave, you kind of said it, but they did not lead with this in the marketing at all. I mean, they sort of did, but this this movie was way funnier than I was expecting. Yeah, but it was funnier it, to filmmakers. So, yes, and I was going to say that as a caveat, like, I know who I am and where I'm coming from, so I'm sure I'm laughing harder than people who don't get all those jokes. But it did make me laugh out loud a lot mm. in the best parts of the movie. Um, this movie... Is very ambitious. Yeah, it's very ambitious. So that blurb you read about the tale, the story of Babylon, could be about the making of Babylon. Like, it's (laughs) it's super super ambitious. So you you kind of 
you kind of can't stop thinking about that because the scale of it is just so much and you're waiting for him to really tie it off. And I think anybody of any knowledge or, you know, fandom of movies in general, the longer a movie is, the more you feel like a filmmaker is trying to really say something. And I don't know if Damien Chazelle did himself any favors by making a cut quite so long just because of that, because I think the best parts of the movie exist in the meat of it, the first act and and early part of the second act, and then it turns into something else. And I, unlike everybody else, I still did enjoy a good part of the latter half of this movie, but you know how I am with endings. I really, it, it needs to really say, why did I watch this and elevate it? And I don't think that it did that. I saw his ambition come through the strongest in the ending in terms of emotional or what was supposed to be very emotional character wrap-ups that we can talk about later. And this a very interesting choice to have a very meta observation of film history in general through a very intense montage at the very end that um, I, I can imagine why some people like me probably felt like, I don't really know if that where that we were going there. And I don't really know if it elevated the movie beyond the best parts of the movie, which I think existed in trying to capture the comedic and absurd essence of these people inventing a craft in the middle of the fucking desert with decadence and debauchery all around them. I think he really captured that in the first half of the movie and something kind of fell off towards the end for me. But I had a much better time than most people are saying. And I do think that we've already said it. Paramount released this on the wrong weekend. Oh, hell yeah. It's mostly the release date for me. If this had come out in late November or very early December, I do not think we would feel this way about it. If this movie had come out the weekend after Amsterdam, we would have been like, fuck, yes, that's how you do a giant ensemble piece. Sorry, Amsterdam, but you're the worst movie of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Are you on a different page? Fuck. No, I'm on the the roulette page. Okay. I built this thing. No, I, I didn't love the movie, but I, I didn't hate it. I saw it with the buddy. At some point, we did lean over to each other and be like, you got to give me a story or something. Because um, I know that there are this sort of a story and there's sort of character through lines, but I think exhausting is a word that comes up a lot in the negative criticism of this. And I, I don't know how to talk about this movie without saying that it is exhausting, whether you liked it or not. Um, and that's not necessarily a, a dig on the movie, but it is for me because the story was exhausting, not the sets, not the, not the, oh, John. No. <laughs> sure. So it does kind of feel like you did way too many drugs the night before and you're like waking up super depleted no. and you're like, oh. is this a reference to the movie? I didn't do any drugs the night, but what is it? What, fuck man. This came out on Christmas. No, I'm saying watching it feels like that. <laughs> I'm agreeing, but I know what you're saying. I see. So you walk out of the theater and you're like, Whoa. well, and it's funny too, because if you said to somebody like it has the biggest sets, outdoor sequences with 10 moving cameras all at the same time, horses impaling extras and the extra strike. And if you, if you, ex- the extra striking because they're actually, just homeless junkies who want their pay to go get there's a lot of drug references going on and the way they chase Diego Calva's character around and you just said like these the orgies like yeah it's like fuck man it's so fun but it's like the pitch I don't know if people don't care because these kinds of big scale movies happen all the time but they keep saying um this movie you know it's it's meant to it's really about the death of the talkies so 1926 and 1930 talkies 1926 1927 I think is a jazz singer it doesn't matter what uh, like, death of silent films yeah. you're talking about 
death the side of the film's bird for yeah. the talkies yeah so yeah. the crossover which by the way is singing in the rain so it's i will say it's funny when we get to the montage at the end the montage actually made me mad and i don't know why actually so maybe we can figure it out here and john you just mentioned it but we'll, we'll put it later i, I don't want to just be negative um because there was a lot of very interesting things but um the, the problem is singing singing in the rain is really character driven it's a very simple plot very simple and it's about the it's literally about the same exact topic and they have the production numbers that get big but you always know what your story is doing and you know how this moment this big production number is going to affect your story as you go forward and so to constantly remind us about singing in the rain for me this is sort of tangential, but sort of not. It kept reminding me that that movie's better than this one. And so, like, I coming back to this movie, okay, it doesn't have to be plot-driven in the same way. It can be, I always want to say, a day in Hollywood, a night in Ukraine, but that's a musical. Sort oh, of, no, 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 don't say um, that. Once upon a time. <laughs> Got him. That, that was me, that was me. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, by the way, Brad Pitt was not a fucking supporting actor. He's a great actor. I'm glad he is an actor. This fucking category fraud at its absolute finest. He was totally elite. The whole third act was him. The whole plot was him. The Leo thing was like total. Okay. But you had two different characters. I've never seen it. They wedged in and out. Dave. Dave. John, drink for Dave. Um, So it it doesn't have to be like that, but. but This game is deadly. Long story short. There was great work between the characters, I think. But it seems like reminding you of old movies and the way they were done was the point, not the story. And the story never was good enough to get there. So you have these different... So they even say, they admit it in their marketing. They're like, this is about these characters rising and falling. But the truth is their rising and falling was exhausting to keep track of because you had these enormous set pieces. And I was very... I wasn't always clear how it was affecting my characters so it was like i had characters and then story and then characters and then where oh then the characters are in a different place and then story and i think that the structure actually does it a disservice because you open with the first hour of the movie is 24 hours and this is not us i know it might seem like a spoiler but it's not it has the little scene that we keep talking about with the elephant fucking and Diego Calva, who is very clearly a nobody. And they shitting. The, no meta, fucking. Meta, shitting. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The <laughs> sorry. elephant is not fucking anyone, just for the record. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So it, it opens with this whole idea of somebody from the middle of the desert who's a nobody can make it in Hollywood. And it's the American story. And I think it's a good metaphor. All of the stuff's there. And then he's the party. He's a fixer. And then Margot Robbie's on the way up. Brad Pitt's on the way down. You have all of these other producers, all based on true stories that are on the way down. But the orgy and the the crazy decadence of this scene gets so crazy where I'm like, where is everybody? And even though the story's there, I'm getting a little lost to the point where the scene with Diego Calva and Margot Robbie, where they're with the cocaine, are explaining literally their their whole purpose. I just want to be in the movies. I want to make it. I want to make something of myself. I want to be a self-made person. And she's saying, I'm already a star. People just need to see it. I thought it was a joke. I didn't take it seriously because the scene was filmed with this mm. cocaine and this extravagance. It was fast and the lights. And then we go back to the orgy and I, I didn't, it didn't sit with me at all. I literally didn't take it seriously. So that when Diego Calva rose, I was like, oh, he wanted to be a s- studio head. I, like, I didn't even know that by the time it happens. That's not much of a spoiler. He rises, whatever, whatever. And then the next scene, Diego Calva and Brad Pitt, I guess they connected, but it was very like mank-ish, which was a total different tone shift. And then we go into the best scene of the movie where everything's moving around. But we, I didn't even we know Brad are literally Pitt was going through the whole movie right now. While no, 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 Jeff's no, talking. We're, no, we're not. Because this is the first 24 hours and the movie takes place over like yeah, 15 no, years. The movie so only like, goes for 48. 
that's that's not entirely true. It's I think it's longer than that. But it no, I'm talking it, about the movie itself, the runtime. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, I I'm this the scene. If the whole movie was, if the whole movie. <laughs> Keep going. Anyway, keep going. sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't mean to be. I don't mean to just be harping on the negative stuff. But if, if the whole movie was just the first twenty-four hours of this person's life, and it was Diego Calva as the lead, and everybody else is a supporting actor, it would have been a fantastic movie. But by the time you're with the Tobey Maguire and you're underground and the Gene Smart Brad Pitt thing, when they were saying that scene, I was like, "That's a great scene. That belongs in a." That's that's better than the rest of the movie. I, I just I, I just felt like it was exhausting keeping up with where they were at this whole movie, and then by the end I was a little mad. So this is a positive film podcast. Let's, uh, where do we go no, from no, here? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine let's, for you. Let's go ahead and turn on spoilers because I want to ask you a question that might end up yielding some spoiler information. We're in so spoilers, spoilers are on everyone. People. Jeff, I felt the same way, and I want to ask you. I didn't feel as strongly about what you're saying until the latter parts of the movie where he did have scenes like the Gene Smart Brad Pitt, the wrap-ups, the... We're in spoilers. Turn it off. Seriously, go see the movie if you want. The suicide, the breakup, the abandonment, You gave them the five up. seconds. You gave I them did, five I did, I did. I didn't say who does it. Off I didn't right say who now. does it right now. Okay, you're right. I didn't say who does it. Because again, that um, was a, that was a God, it, Jeff, God. that was me. That was a really good scene. That was a good scene. They're all really good. So what made me think? What I was frustrated about was that it wasn't until then that I felt like he, Damien, you're like you're the best of our generation, dude. Like, fuck you. I respect you. You're like my age, and I'm never gonna catch up to you, dude. You're a fucking genius. But I did feel like in this moment. When I got to that part in the movie, I felt like this isn't the movie that I've been watching until now. Yeah, I was very prepared and mm-hmm. ready to have kind of the Robert Altman. I'm just living in this world. I don't need to try to have they, they, these things could happen, but I'm not supposed to necessarily feel really attached to them. But I didn't feel that way. I felt like he wanted me to be very emotionally affected by these people like they were super earned for us to have this kind of catharsis with them as opposed to just kind of moving through as an observational person in film history. And it wasn't until then that I started to feel like, uh uh-oh, something has shifted. I was actually okay with all of the what is happening and where are we going because I didn't feel like I needed to really care. I was just watching this wow, stuff happen. Wow, what a glowing review. I loved it because I didn't feel like I needed to care. <laughs> no, no, I mean that in a good way. Like, have you seen, I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen, well, all right, two examples of really, really fantastic, like weird ensemble films. One is much less character driven and much more your observational, like Nashville or, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or um la confidential maybe i mean 93 uh maybe i think that one is so much more story driven so let's go with mm. nashville which is like a true like ensemble story you really aren't supposed to connect deeply with any characters versus uh boogie nights something like that that is very character driven and paul thomas anderson gives you moments to connect with almost every single one of those characters so that you have because they all have a wrap-up that you're supposed to really care about and he earns it with a large arc for everybody this movie sat in between those things for me. So I was a little confused. I, there I were some of the question. best moments ever where I wasn't supposed to care about anybody and it was just for laughs and it was about what was happening to the industry, to the medium. That was when it was at its best for me. Yeah. And the people just happened to be the players at the moment. It wasn't until the latter half. So I guess really quickly, Dave, before you ask your question, don't forget it. 
if it hadn't done that, Jeff, if you had been able to just kind of move through time. hundred percent. The suicide does happen. She yeah. does walk away and you're not supposed to care. Would you have been like, weird, that was fun. That was a weird I, random, come back with wider shots, maybe literally yeah. sit back a little bit wider, not go as close in the last half of the film. Well, the tonal shifts were still crazy. All of a sudden, I'm in Chinatown. I'm in Nightmare Alley. I'm like the tone just kept shifting all over the place, which was also part of the exhaustion because it was like space and time was getting bent. And and he's fucking brilliant. So I know he did it on purpose. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I I, I would have okay. enjoyed it more if it was just if if the ebbs and flows were just a little smoother. And also, you know, Boogie Nights. There's time, you know, because you have the '70s into the '80s. But they, that's probably the closest example. Nashville. It's the primary, so you have this time. You're building does, up towards this and moment. He, he and tries this to work time with time is, here. Yeah, sort he gives of. You, he does give you those five years. years. But it, I know what you mean. It doesn't feel. It's because the time isn't connected to characters. Whereas I think yeah. Nashville does work because you know it's in the light, it's a slice of life feel the whole time. You're in the night, you're in the day of, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is I'm I'm piggybacking. That's why the first sequence, for for lack of a better word, the first fucking forty minutes of the movie is so interesting because it does just you're in a day in the life of this crazy, depraved yeah. early Hollywood. Dave, what were you gonna say? Was this his Pulp Fiction? I think. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to call him out in a negative way, but I think it was in the world of that kind of place. I want to see what happens when I throw a lot of people into a large sprawling situation because his films leading up to this. Because, yeah, I, I, I mean, very, I drew some parallels very character there driven in style. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the way yeah. it, just in the way it flowed. Um, it, it was like you don't necessarily get a result to every story. And it's like some of them are wrapped up really quickly, but, but there are I four main player characters. I do feel like this was resolved, though. That's what was kind of weird. That's what I'm uncomfortable with. But the only thing that I kind of was like, eh, is that I feel like he did try to wrap up everything for everybody at the end. And I don't know if it was necessary. Cities, I don't even want to use the word earned. Was quick, I don't think it was necessary. I really feel like Pulp Fiction... You really followed those characters. And this one, they were just like, I think this character will do some fun shit here. But it seemed like the bigger purpose was the feeling of the time period. And therefore, the characters were second the whole time. And so for me, I was kind of like, So Hollywood was the starring character. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think he wanted it to be. I do do think he was hoping that was going to be the case. Uh, Jeff, you make a good point, though, that a movie like Singing in the Rain, which he kind of can't stop thinking about, and then he shows it to you. Showed it to us that, that twice in a way, right? Meta, showed it to- yeah, decision. Um, there is something. There is something that we're we're invited into their experience in Singing in the Rain in a way. With this, I think you are supposed to be more on the outside, like you are a moviegoer watching the story of how movies got made back then. Um, and I don't want to be too negative here. Yeah, no, I get that as well. Those opening sequences of the giant epic, the war epic, and then the first soundstage, those were hilarious. And really entertaining. Just, I want to say yeah, a, cu- so a couple funny. of the things. The Brad Pitt kiss was, I mean, that with the cannons in the so background good. was so great. It was yeah. so I mean, good. It was fucking you know the funny thing when, when they were doing yeah. that, like they sent him off and he's like trying to get the camera and like he has to hijack an ambulance to get back basically. So and great. I'm watching, like they kept cutting to the sun over the mountains. And I this was getting discovered golden hour, dude. <laughs> I was getting visibly upset 
the yeah. more we dragged, like the lower that sun got. Like I, I was like, yeah. it was the like the that cinematographer guy, guys, coming out of me. It's like we're fucking losing light. It really stressed the fuck favorite, out of me. My favorite <laughs> performance in the whole movie is the director of that first movie. That guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, was, was he so German? Funny. What was his accent? Yeah, whoever that fucking <laughs> the German fucking, guy was. What about the camera hire guy? <laughs> Yeah. Man, that was funny. <laughs> I've been there. They, him and uh, him and the assistant director in the first talkie that oh, yeah. they do with. God damn it, he was Wait, funny. just that guy. That's the guy that's in like Wolf of Wall Street that just like yells all of yeah. his lines. Yeah, yeah. he's the just next fucking person who stays is yeah. I will shit on you. I will shit in your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as a theater sound guy, because so I've, I've done a lot of theater sound. Like, it's like, why are sound guys so intense? And like this one, Dude, th- like they really played. So good. Like they, that, I don't think that scene wouldn't have worked if they hadn't done so many takes because you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, they, they, they did good. so many takes. And that then was they another finally, piece of they the finally got one. Yeah. And then also the, they opened the, the door to the box and the cinematographer just the falls, falls out. Fucking... And it was like proof so that cinematographers will let you do all sorts of things to them to get the shot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because there is precedent. Was that the cinematographer, there. or was that the? That was the cinematographer. Yeah, they had to lock him in. A, they had to put them in a box because the camera made too much noise. The camera was too loud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It was. Um, it was. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Another brilliant. Uh, I, I kind of want to zero in on that sequence, so we'll we'll come back to it in a little mm. bit. But, um, the story, if you will, his choice to bring in this very specific arc of Margot Robbie's character about two hours in that it's not that she hadn't been established as a gambler before then, but it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a strong enough. It wasn't prominent. Yeah. It was a breadcrumb. It wasn't a yeah. strong enough storytelling element that we knew this was going to become a problem for her one day and in a way that we were supposed to really care about. I do think that that's interesting that they, that he chose to bring it in so late when there were, when it would have raised the stakes on the whole on her entire arc, if he had introduced it earlier, well, like because the, the gambling stuff, the Toby Maguire stuff specifically, yeah, that it's very specifically gambling. Like they did a really good job, and they had so much fun with showing the fact yeah. that the public had issues with her, with her demeanor, her sexuality, her accent, and her her debauchery. They they established all of that so well, and they had so much fun with it in like three or four sequences. Public and, hasn't and the gambling ended up becoming the thing that was the actual threat. I, I felt like that was a, I don't know why he chose to put that in such a high stakes he, situation so much later. Well, he went in abstract too, because everything is based off of something, right? So, um, um, Margaret Robbie plays Nellie Leroy, who's based on Claire Bow. You have, um, even Lee June Lee plays Lady Faye, who's based on t- people like Marlene, uh, Marlena Dietrich, um, the reporter is based off of somebody. Um, uh, Orville Pickwick was the guy that used to have those weird. He used to laugh and like have hookers and stuff, and he supposedly like had one OD on her, which is that guy in the opening segment. Uh, the Brad Pitt character is John Gilbert, Clark Gable, Douglas Fairbanks. It's all based on something. And then somebody asked IndieWire or Variety, one of them, was there really a party tunnel with orgies, rats, and alligators? And they just said absolutely not. So this is just where, like, this is to the point where it's like all of these things are brilliant and he has all these ideas, but he's breaking his own rules anyway because it's like, it, it's just, this is how it was. This is how it was. That's not how it was. So now you're just doing these things. Mm. But, no, but it's the it's yeah, it's you, Dave. You fucking buzz yourself. But the, I think it's, I'm not it's saying different. I, I'm obviously not saying like me in my bedroom. Like, I got you, Damien. But it's like, it's so clear that 
this idea of reminding you of what Hollywood was like and these things really happened. But that's not really the case with this movie. It's, yeah. it's not the truth. You, you, you made choices in here because I think in truth, it kind of, the reason I got mad at the end, and this is an interpretation, I can't possibly say this, but it sounds like they were, th they were saying movies were better then, you fuckers. Because they kept showing me these montages. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? I know, I, I know Singing in the Rain's great. I know the feel. I think it was supposed to be the feeling he got seeing Singing in the Rain, what he earned, what we got. And the fact that there's a churn. Movies keep getting better, whether you're involved in them or not. Hollywood keeps getting better. You get in there, you fucking grind it out. You, you make money or you don't. And it, See, it just, it's I, a wheel I, that keeps spinning. And I then took, at the end, I, I get this that. and I was like, fuck. I took that because they cut back to him was he got a glimpse of what he'd started. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, a little, I bit too, of, but... little bit of a fantasy element, but again, it was very out of place. I guess I didn't like right down to look, the calibration look, colors guys, he, he on a, screen. He for took like... a risk. Yeah, that was he took, that he was took a risk. risk. Which is, I, I didn't by like pulling it. you out of a a period mm. piece, and I know this has been done All before. Us. All right, sure. I know this has been done before, but he's working in a period, and then he pulls you out. Not only out of the period, he pulls you out of reality and allows you to be re return to yourself as a moviegoer sitting in a seat, watching movies and thinking about the history of movies with that montage at the very end. I did and like the I shot just, where uh, it went up over the theater audience. Out before it panned down the theater audience, it showed the all, diversity. Yeah. All great like the full work. diversity in that, and then it came up over them. It's a good choice. That, yeah. was, that was great. I liked that. I guess that's what we're saying is that, like, I don't know. I'm in, I'm in fucking film school. We have these kinds of debates all the fucking time. Like when do you push the envelope and risk and when to not to. And my favorite parts of this movie were when they were rooted in whether or not it was true, Jeff, when they were rooted in the reality it was set in. Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like the, the departure from that, I, I don't know why. I don't even, I don't know if I would want to deconstruct it if I knew him and he said, John, what do you think? But I don't think it worked for me going away from that and then returning to his tears yeah. I think I would have rather gone away down to that audience, come right back up, and he was having his moment. Yeah. And then we would just been like, yeah, of course he is, because we're all here in this theater, and that's what movies feel like when it's done well. And we, tell, we me, know exactly tell, tell me this. The, 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 movie the movie would have been about $80 million cheaper, too. Oh, my God. It would have been so much cheaper. Do, do you well, think it was Paramount, and those were all Paramount uh, <laughs> properties. So he was able to Good get point. those probably for free. Probably free. So, um, free did, it remind you, did it remind you of the montage in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, where he just makes that, like, fucking, like, kinesthetic, like, for No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so anyway, this I is... I wanted to ask you about this. Yeah. Here's an aesthetic question for you guys, and um, I'm a little nervous to ask it, just because I don't want to sound... I don't want to sound negative, <laughs> we were doing well, it all episodes. People, yeah, it's okay. I don't it's, think it wasn't really that bad. No, 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 I don't want to sound punished. negative about. <laughs> I don't want to sound negative about what's happening in society and people and the way we're all changing. We're all much healthier than we used to be, men and women. And I just this period was hard for me to totally believe I was in this period. Other than that shot of the extras who are supposed to be junkies, because those guys <laughs> looked like they could have been yeah. emaciated men from the twenties. Every single person in this movie looked like they were in very good shape. Like, I feel like the extras in those party scenes, the women, a lot of those men looked like they were in shape for today. People did not look like back, back That's then. That's true. And it was, it was a little distracting to me. Babe. Was it distracting to you guys? Like, there was so much wonderful authenticity in the way they designed everything, the music, 
the, the even the, the actual practical lights that they were hanging around the place, a lot of them were very authentically timed. The way it was set, I love the contrast from this is all happening in a fucking house in the middle of the desert. Yes, because that's what Cuenga Boulevard used to look like. That's what the Hummingbird Ranch, where it was set, that's what this shit used to look like. But I liked when they opened on the studio is, with the lighting. And like the first light we yeah, got the was actual, the box the, the cameraman dies in. in. Yeah. Yeah, the actual dissolves in. There were a lot of those things that they used to make before. But anyway, I was just wondering if that distracted you guys, because as much at the Olympic filmmaking that was happening in those party scenes, it, it I don't know if I believed that people actually looked like that back then. They were in amazing shape. Margot Robbie worked out like 10 times a day for this movie. I know she did. And I'm just wondering if there was a place in her mind or in Damien's mind where they were like, maybe you should not do as much strength training and try to just... I think her Did character you know I mean? her character could get away with it a little bit, even though, yes, I imagine the it, it girl wouldn't be able to kickbox, you know, with um, the guy who invented Taibo. But I think that um, I, I am with you, but it was sometimes with just modern filmmaking, you know this better than me, you two, just the way the look and the glean and, and just the shimmer on everything, it's, it's almost like everything kind of is going to look like a reenactment just because it looks so fresh. But at the mm. same time, I'd rather that than black and white because no, nothing bothers me more than when people are like, I'm going to put a movie in black and white because that's what they were like back then. Dude, I was when like, they cool, cut to you're the writing a movie and... in 2023, so yeah, go when, ahead and put when, that when in When they cut to the black and white of Brad Pitt doing the kissing scene, I was like, golden hour is wasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. But that is what it would have looked like, though. Me? Shit. <laughs> I, did, I did not mind those two moments. Go I did not it. mind... Uh, Margot's black and white close up with the tear, and I didn't. No, mind no, no, that, that's fine. That's that's yeah. okay. But I mean, did you guys dig the for what you're saying? Seal, did you dig the seventh seal reference when they were pushing drunk Brad up the hill in silhouette? <laughs> yeah, it was also uh, for his final shot. Oh, yeah, was was little, like, yeah. Falling, and there was just God, it looked fucking beautiful. Almost threw up, but he's little hit of Raiders there as well. Absolutely, I mean the golden. Yeah. It was fucking gorgeous, dude. It yeah. was so pretty. Um. There's so a reason much they call this, that. There's so much in this movie that's so well done. There is. Uh, it's just such a hodgepodge. It's, it's, such it's a, a hodgepodge fucking... and it's also very niche. In a way, you're right, Dave. And that's something that I feel like I'm so biased and maybe you're so biased that we can't even, I can't even relate to what the normal American audience would think about a movie that is so much about filmmaking. You know, and as I mentioned, we've like, already said this, this, Three times we're, this we're, year we said this. This literally, is another nostalgic movie about movies. Yeah, but we're literally... <laughs> that makes us the same as Brad Pitt in the movie. Like, he he didn't... He wanted... Like, he was all about the people that went and saw the movies and stuff, but he couldn't really relate to them because, like, he asked that guy, like, what's the biggest tip you ever got? He's like, well, it was from you. So, he yeah. like, he was all about for them, but he didn't really... He wasn't part of that circle. I'm surprised Brad did it. Um, I know. So soon, I feel like Brad could have—he still could have had a fun life for a little, a couple of years. But I guess they're insinuating that he can't. I don't—I don't know. Um, yeah, no, no, no once, I think it felt a little. Yeah, a little that, forced. that glory is as well. that glory is addictive. I—I I bought that hook, line, and sinker. That's that's fine. It's fine. I'm not. Yeah. How much would you have appreciated it more? And this is the this is like the essence of the kind of storytelling I'm talking about to keep it observational and not. You're supposed to be a part of this kind of kind of uh, emotional. If we would have gone away from Brad in that scene, what if he would have followed him into that room, which was lovely, very The Shining, right? The wonderful steady cam up the stairs, following mm -hmm. him into his room. We think he's going to kill himself. And he just comes back out with a cigar as he closes the door and he walks past camera, cut. And then maybe like two scenes later, we forget about it. 
then you just see his obituary in the in the newspaper. Yeah, I think that something like that, where it would have been just like we were know, part of it. I don't know if it worked if there we were two it in the paper. may have happened, and it does happen eventually. But you don't do you feel think, like you have to like now. You have to care. Do you think it's his, just like this is what happens? Do you think Damien might be thinking the understanding of modern audiences? is they want the door slightly ajar, which if you're gonna kill yourself, you're gonna go ahead and close the door. But if you're gonna go in the bathroom and then you see the blood and the, there's the shock element of that, you know, I guess was kind of necessary. Just That's to sort absolutely of jolt what the he was going Well, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. There were multiple, Dave, Dave, you're two wonderful filmmakers who make these kinds of movies all the time. Never made a movie. Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. There are so oh. many shots in this movie. It, look, we steal from the best. You should steal from the best. Do it all the fucking time. Scorsese says it fucking steal your ass off in your entire career. But that was a moment that made me think very, very, very much of the, the legendary William H. Macy's suicide and boogie nights. We follow oh him my out. God. We follow him in. Boom. Gun to the back of the throat. But there was such an arc leading up to that moment. Yeah. And there was such a wonderful tone of dark humor until it's not funny anymore. Boom, 1980. And now, and like, it ends with this also, terrible... Also, he had to kill himself because he killed them. You know, like, he knew he was he couldn't live anymore. Yes. So it was like, it, yes. it wasn't, ju it wasn't right. just like, I'm sad today. It was like, oh, I, did, exactly. I, I need to do that. But if I do that, I need to do this. And so you can A to B, so A to C that a little bit. Yes. And, and Brad Pitt still lived in a mansion. The only reason I'm bringing that up anyway. is because, I, exactly what you're saying, I felt like we were supposed to have that kind of catharsis because that was a little bit of a an end of a, of a part of the movie it, it moves on very quickly. I don't want to say it was the end of an act. I'm not sure where I would divide the acts in this film, but that one I felt, that was the first time I felt like he wants me to feel a some kind of catharsis or deliverance by the end of this. And really, I just kind of felt like, I know he's going to kill himself. You can cut yeah. away anytime you want. Maybe, yeah. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm thinking too much about this, but back to the montage thing where I was mad. Again, I was mad. So now I... John, I, 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 did. I was, I did. I'm mad. So I was, now I'm trying to figure out why. And I do know one thing is I really felt like they were like, they, they, they included the audience in the montage at the end. So it was like, you are a part of the churn of Hollywood. You have loved an actor one year and you are totally fine with never, ever seeing them again. And that's their life. They expected to make money and make movies. And because you stopped caring about them, they might have met a terrible end or they had to sell their house or things went really bad after that. And when it came to Brad, I was like, I didn't do that. <laughs> and I don't even know if that, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I feel like I can, I yeah. conflated those two things. And I do think he wanted me to. So I'm not even going to sit there and be like, I don't know what his intention was, but I do feel like he wanted us to reflect on how we watch movies and the history of movies and our involvement in them. The audience, he showed the audience. He wants us to reflect on our involvement in this. And there is a conversation to have about that. And I don't think he made that, that point. Very yeah. Well. You know what? We're like, we're having a discussion about the end of this film. And I feel like film students forever are going to have a discussion about the end of this film. I don't know if that translates to the Otherwise general public. They might I don't know if that translates it. to the general public, though. No, I it know. Does, it does, Dave, point. and you're right, dude. Yes. Well, so let me try to wrap that point up because I, I completely know what you mean. I, and it doesn't help that we were all thinking about it, which is never a great sign. You can tell in that last montage, I was just thinking, like, I'm in school. If somebody, if one of my colleagues put together that montage with a little bit of the beginning and end of the context of showing you this man who used to work in the film industry, yeah. going to watch a movie, boom, montage. We would say in a class of like a 12 minute, 10 minute short, we would be like, oh my God, this, this, this kid's brilliant. That was yeah. fucking brilliant. There's so much talent. But in the scheme and context of a larger story, if it isn't, if it doesn't help move a story 
or the emotional value of a character forward, it's it's all it's yeah. not that it's valueless, but it it there's a there's just as much of a chance that the brilliance and execution of the montage won't have the emotional impact you're hoping it will. Nope. So it's kind of the essence of what this movie was for me. Again, Damien Chazelle is a fucking genius, and we all know it. And I think that he made decisions in this movie, still using all of those amazing skills he has. And in the context of his ultimate, his final edit, did not actually end up servicing the story. And therefore, I, I think people got frustrated by the last twenty or thirty can, minutes. We can we <laughs> Jeff can start to it. oh fuck we can start to to wind this down by saying, I think, I. I there are some filmmakers like Paul Thomas Anderson who, even when they make a movie that I, you can't, I, I can't even begin to comprehend Inherent Vice or even Magnolia, and they hit me in certain ways. But like, Paul is meant to write and direct his own movies. I think Damien is at the point now with this movie, and and look, there's so much great. And I'm, I know he's proud of it because I've listened to him in the podcast, and I feel like he's not that kind of person that can fake a genuinely like positive reaction to something. This is obviously the movie he wanted to make. First Man. We can disagree. And so I thought some things about it were really cool. I thought the score and what I saw on screen did not suit me particularly well. I feel like he's at the point. Ow. Ah, you too. I feel like, I, I feel like, and I'm a nobody in my bedroom. I get it. I feel like this is the moment in his career. And he, 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 he already has other move, other projects coming up. Else. He already has he already has other projects coming. The filmmaking in First Man is so great, but again, the story I was like, I don't know. I feel like he's at the point, and Josh Singer helped him with that. But I I feel like he could put writing off to the side unless he needs to write it. I feel like he could let somebody else or or collaborate, but to write on his own and direct the movie. I, I feel like I feel like it would benefit him to not do that. I know Whiplash and La La Land, he didn't do that, but. I don't know. That's that's what I think after seeing these past two movies of his. What do you think? I know what you mean, dude. And I hope Tarantino did this. I'm not, I'm not so even, it's not like I'm it's not a- even going to. Yeah, I'm not even going to say I totally agree with that. But I appreciate you saying that. And I hope that I or him or anyone whoever has the good graces and talent to get to that position will look at their colleagues like uh, Steven Spielberg and fucking Brian De Palma and people that are in the kind of style that he clearly like wants to be directing and Martin Scorsese who don't alter their own scripts every single time. They have a lot of influence on their scripts, mm. a lot, but they are usually working with the greatest screenplay writers well, to help them the- elevate their screenplays to the level of their filmmaking talent. And if he wants to do that, God, I hope he wouldn't look at that as a slight on himself. If he ended up working mm. with one of the best screenwriters today and he ended up matching what he can bring to the screen through visual storytelling. So I appreciate you saying that. The best example is um, is Fincher working with Aaron Sorkin. And there's there's clips of the table read with just Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield. And so it's four of them at the table. And, and they are very kindly questioning everything. And I know that seems like a shitty way. You just want to have fun and make, but, but making movies is too many moving pieces. It has to be very, very everything. As Dave knows, <laughs> you have to, you have to hit your marks. You have to set your, you have to, have to set the marks in order <laughs> to hit them. And I think at the table read, I'm sure Damien would have had an answer for everybody, but I think he would have gotten the hint that this movie wasn't this movie coming out on Christmas of 2022. I don't know what he was going for, but he was out of touch with, 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 with everybody else. That's what I think. 
Mm. Terrible to say. Not to, to clarify, oh, not that Damien, not that Damien Chazelle had anything to do with the decision making on right, the release date. Right, that's yeah. true. That's, that's true. That's probably true. not his decision. I, mean, we didn't I don't know, know what he was he hoping for. And again, I'm still very curious how I would have felt about this movie if it had not been the third movie we've seen this year about movies. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. It, it didn't do it any service in my mind personally that we I saw. Mean, Fableman's is still was, my um, favorite over this. But yeah. I don't th- what yeah. was the other one? James Grace. James Grace. Um, Armageddon, Armageddon Time. Time. Armageddon Time. Um, but this isn't, all, this isn't an autobiography. But yeah. No, it's not. It's not. And to, yeah, to, your, to, to what you're saying, Dave, Fableman's takes that we talked about the same elements of nostalgia perhaps a little sentimentality mm. but fableman's funnels it through a very very personal protagonist and character driven yeah. experience of discovering that stuff mm-hmm. i don't think he was trying to do that and i don't fault him i just wish he would have stayed on the world i wish he would have stayed with the altman perspective and let us just kind of float through the history and not yep. necessarily try to get too attached and i i think i would have loved it anymore but I'm going to echo this again. I liked this much. I think I liked this way more than you did, Jeff. I think there was way more to appreciate. I laughed really hard in the theater. I can't remember the last time I laughed that hard. I laughed a lot out as loud well. in the theater. I must add. Some yeah. of the sequ- I Dave, I just wanted amount. to say this. Dave, my favorite part, not my favorite part. There was so much to laugh at in that soundstage sequence, but they only did eight takes. You're right. <laughs> they, they made it seem like it was, oh my God, we're going again. It was only eight takes. <laughs> oh my God, it was so funny. But the the reactions, them discovering that stuff. I can't help but remember that uh, I was listening to a really excellent podcast called Writers on Film. And he was in, uh, Eli, uh, interviewing some people who had written some books about Hollywood recently. And, and I just... I've been thinking a lot about how this period of time that Damien is making the movie about, we take for granted so fucking hard. They were inventing this as they went. Oh, yeah. They didn't know what they were doing. There were no yeah. rules. There was no artistic there were precedent. No they were just rules. fucking making it up. They were doing whatever the fuck they wanted. And just but but because they wanted to, they were trying so hard except for the sound to entertain guy people. He knew exactly what he fucking wanted. He knew the exact specifics, and that's why he yeah. was an asshole. <laughs> Also, Does anybody hear that? <laughs> yeah. That high pitch. That screw in your leg. It's the screw in the leg. Oh man, that's funny. Dude, I, I, to that's be honest, funny. like I, as being like I'm also a theater sound guy. I don't do sound for film because that's a whole different science. But yeah, I'm also a theater sound guy. And one thing that will always stick with me is um, the amount of people that complain after to the sound guy after they see a show. They will literally come up and chastise you. It's it's like fucking YouTube oh God, really? free roll. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not even leave. kidding. I've I've had this. Yeah, I've had this happen several times. And the one thing that always stuck with me, I was working on uh, Dusty the musical. It's the musical of the life of Dusty Springfield. And this sound guy that was working with me as the secondary like audio operator, he he had a quote I will take to my grave, which is, "Everyone is an expert at two things: whatever they do for a living, and sound." <laughs> nice yeah. yeah that's good that's Honestly, why sound yeah. guys are such assholes <laughs> whatever Everybody they do thinks, for a living yeah we're not fucking assholes we're the coolest people um, always always voted the asshole. coolest people to hang out with <laughs> fuck you john sure sure all sure. right people that sound means that we have sound brought people. this episode to a close and that means we need to finish up with a quick round of what you've been watching our final segment of this year episode so dave we'd like to start with you we just filmed our megan episode where you told us a couple things but anything else in the docket you want to recommend our folks today i started watching a show called kindred yeah. um interesting show uh it's 
about a woman who moves to from New York to LA through certain circumstances. She sells her like grandmother's house and moves over, and she starts having uh, what can only be termed as like waking nightmares of traveling back in time to like cool. previous lives, as such, or like a previous lifetime, and it comes to pass like they they go through the whole episode and it finally like I'm two episodes in I'm like fucking hooked but like it was it comes to pass that she's not having waking nightmares she's actually going there and ah. her mother is trapped there as well who she thought was dead mm. so like that's a slight spoiler to get you interested but it's not a spoiler you kind of know that from the start but yeah um right. it's it doesn't really spell that out at the beginning so it like it flounders a bit at the beginning but it gets real good by the end kindred produced by uh Darren Aronofsky's company produced that. Mm. Nice. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, John, what, John, what have you been watching? Uh, nothing new. Somebody feeds Phil. What, what about you? I'm ready to start <laughs> watching stuff again. You know what I'm about to watch? I'm going to say it out fucking loud so you guys can hold me to it. I'm late to the party. I'm busy as fuck with school. I still haven't seen Chef, and I'm excited. Oh, cool. Uh, not Chef. Bear. Excuse me. About bear. the show. The Bear. Okay, cool. You like it. The Bear. I haven't seen yeah, it either. Yeah. I think you're going to like it. It's good. I, I like should it. watch that. Yeah. Um, I watched The Pale Blue Eye. We talked about. I like Scott Cooper a lot. Um, the movie's very slow. It's very slow, and he really lets that. Um, he really lets that Edgar Allan Poe character make a lot of very big acting choices. He let it turn into an acting class, which is great. I'm not. I'm not against that. It's just. It's, is it? Does it work, or is it? Is Christian gone too far? <laughs> no, it's not. He doesn't play. He doesn't Did play. Chris, he doesn't play Edgar Allan Poe. Christian's fine. Oh, Christian doesn't. plays it a little straight. I'll, I'll wait till you guys see it. I'm curious Should to see Scott what you think. Should Scott Cooper have done what Paul Thomas Anderson did with Daniel Day-Lewis in the first week of filming There Will Be Blood and said, you might want to look at the dailies. <laughs> um, you might want to watch them. I'm not saying anything, but you might want to check them out. Just I, so don't, you can see. <laughs> I don't think it's that egregious. Um, Jeff got it. <laughs> fuck. Okay. Um, no, but it's it's good though. It's it's good. Um, you should see it. The look is good. The feel is good. Just, I do, I can't wait to ski it. I really want to to ski it. It's very slow. I I, skate, I, skate, I was like skate. I was like I was like this two hour and ten minute movie's got to be pretty. It's got to be almost over. And I was forty minutes in, so it's very slow. <laughs> um, it's it's good though. It's good. It's good. And then I oh. watched um the first season of Slow Horses. I I knew I would like it. Oh, I can't wait it's to watch so, that. It's so it's so obviously a show I would like. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I don't know. I'm not gonna say it'd be like it's so so good. Like it's the next Yellowstone. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I've never seen Yellowstone. Is Yellowstone that good? Yeah. <laughs> it has two spinoffs. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it was it it, just, it was a whodunit. It was a, it was a British sort of spy whodunit. But I thought it was gonna be something a little different. But that's like what it just sort of turned into. Not, it's not a whodunit. It's just like a spy thriller. Um, but it's Perfect. funny because Gary Oldman's character basically just plays like your typical alcoholic who just happens to be in charge of a fledgling MI5 wing. It's great. Um, so Slow Horses, I, season two just came out, so I haven't seen that. But um, Apple TV Plus, check it out. Okay. Folks. We did it. Babylon. We did it. Two episode day. Dave, I hope um, you get Guys, your full. What's our, let's sleep. what is our ultimate? Let's give our ultimate one final word. Jeff, is it was it really that bad? Jeff's saying yes. Yeah. I'm saying no. Dave, are you saying no? I'm saying no. All right, we redeemed the movie. We redeemed it. it. Jeff cops the bus. I, I deserved it. I deserved it. I, I still think people should see it, but I can't. That was random too. I can't tell people. Three hour and eight minutes. You're gonna go, go for it. It wasn't that bad. You're gonna love it. I um, didn't look right, at my people. watch until an hour, until two hours in. I definitely did. I definitely did. I'll see you guys later. Thank you so much, film Dude, fans. You were texting us. Half an hour in. Only, only at the beginning. <laughs> I was texting in the theater. Once. 
Once. Yeah. 30 minutes into that movie, I still didn't know what's going on. Pulling you off, motherfucker. All right. <laughs>